Behind this door is another dimension. Welcome to Enter the Flow Zone podcast. This is the only podcast that teaches people the secrets of peak performance, positive psychology, and mindset mastery to help unlock your flow state. Here's your host, certified flow coach and international happiness consultant, Sumed Chatterjee. This time I have Aaron with me. How's it going, Aaron? Going awesome, bro. How you yeah, doing? Pretty good myself. I'm, I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada. That's great, man. So uh, thank you so much for doing this, man. It means a lot to me. And I'm thank so... Thank you for having me on. I appreciate you. Yeah, man. All right. So let's get started. Um, how did you start your kind of self-development journey? I know that you've had um, ADD, but like once you started yeah. to view that as a strength, it changed your life in yeah. really great yeah. ways. Uh, mm-hmm. You want to talk a bit about that? or? Yeah, I mean, that's really where my journey really began was when I was uh, growing up, I grew up and I had to take uh, Adderall, which is what they prescribe to people who do have ADHD. And I took that uh, the last couple years of high school and then uh, for about four or five years after that. And uh, one of like the side effects of Adderall is that when you take it, it makes it harder for you to sleep at night and it makes it harder for you to eat as well. So even though it was something that like I was able to, it benefited me like during the day uh, to get things done. At the same time, there were like harsh side effects of it. Mm. So what I decided to do is after a while of of having those side effects, I decided that I would do my own research in a way. So what I did was is I I just did a little bit of research and looked about, uh, came across meditation and it talked about how powerful meditation is mm-hmm. for being able to uh, make people feel focused but also it does something to the brain where it makes the brain waves uh, more coherent which mm-hmm. means that where people that have ADHD a lot of times the uh, brain waves tend to not be so coherent yeah. what happens is is through the act of meditation itself it can get to the point to where then your brain has that coherence so that it's easier to uh, stay focused or to uh, be in the moment, even with ADHD. So when I started reading about it, Mm -hmm. I decided that I would just give it a a try. And really, it was just something that I wanted to try out of curiosity. Yeah. Just because it was was something that if it had all of these, like, benefits that it was saying that it had, it's like, why not just try it? So that's Mm -hmm. what I did. And this was, like, probably four or five years ago. Yeah. But what I did was is I just – sat down and what I did was is I, I read about some type of meditation where you just stare at a flame because it said that that would be good for people that have trouble uh, like focusing because every time yeah. your mind would begin to wander, you could just focus on the flame again and then what that would do is make it easier for you to you know keep focusing on your breath. That sounds and, cool. And it, yeah, it was, it was something that uh, I started doing. Do you remember what it was called? Or? I don't. It starts with an S though. I remember that. Like mm-hmm. – um, Starts with an S. It's some type of technique, but it's just, I think if you just type in on Google, like candlelight meditation, that's what it is. But it's really like the most basic thing where all you do is you, you know, sit there, you focus on your breathing and you stare at the flame. Well, when I started doing that within like a day or two, I started to feel differently. Like I started to, um, I started to feel better. Like my general mood just kind of shot up and I was kind of confused at first. I'm like, why am I feeling 
like this, mm-hmm. uh, I knew that there could be some type of maybe benefit when it comes to like focus or it comes Concentration, to doing certain, yeah. exactly like doing activities and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I started to feel different, and within a week or two, I started to feel good a majority of the time. Mm-hmm. And I found it easier for me like at work to focus and do whatever I had to do. So after about two weeks of doing that, and I just started small. I started maybe just a you know two or three minutes a day and then grew up on that. But the feeling became kind of like addictive in a good way. It yeah. was like, Could you describe that feeling for us? That- uh, yeah, I mean it was like more of just – I think what it mainly was, especially now with the kind of work that I do, yeah. uh, is it was just I was bringing like the awareness out of my head. And people with ADHD yeah. Yeah. in general, I think it's like they're mainly kind of locked – into the mm. thinking mind. And what I did is I became present, which means I just like the the awareness went into my body. Yeah. And I started to feel different. Like I remember I was going to work and I was walking around. It just everything felt different to me. Different in a good way, but just it was like a new reference point in mm. a way. But I felt better. So it was something yeah. that I enjoyed uh, anyways. So right on. as I began to do that, I started to feel better more often. And then after two weeks, I completely gave up Adderall. Haven't taken it since then, and cut the supplement for that is all I do is every morning for 20 minutes, right when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is I meditate, and it's the 20 minutes right before I go to bed at night. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, it's been like I haven't needed Adderall at all. Mm -hmm. Anything that I have to do, I'm much more present with it, and it's easier for me to do it. And I believe that uh, even with like ADHD in general, when people are labeled as having some type of like disorder or Mm -hmm. having something like that, it becomes the filter of the mind. How people relate to the external world becomes like a it shifts, a, yeah. The per- exactly. The perspective, of, yeah. It, it, that becomes like the the reality because anytime that you feel like you are scatterbrained, you automatically assume it's because I have ADHD. Like, yeah, this so label means, attached to you, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think that if people uh, learn that we can drop these labels and not mm-hmm. even label people as having ADHD to begin with. Yeah. You can use more holistic ways of balancing out the energy, such as uh, just bringing awareness into the body, becoming more present, maybe learning how to ground yourself. Right. There's a whole bunch of different things, but I think that it can be something that can be done naturally versus having some type of pharmaceutical drug that has a whole bunch of adverse side effects. Definitely. And I also think it's uh, important to note what we're putting into our bodies, you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Like like Adderall, I think may also have a numbing effect to some extent because, it did. Yeah. yeah. Because when I was in high school, I remembered my last two years because like now I'm more myself than I've ever been before. And that's mm. because I'm not taking Adderall. It kind of like numbed my energy a little bit. Like mm. it made me yeah. more like you could call like normal where I just sat there and just, you <laughs> yeah. know, supposed to do, but that wasn't really me. Yeah. Um, I would have learned how to, I think, balance myself out and to just ground myself. I think that it would have been a different story, but I'm grateful that I went through it because I was able to learn a lot more about myself and yeah. I was able to actually have these kind of insights so that I can help people who are also on the same type of journey. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great to hear you say that, man. Um, so have you wanted to speak in public um, or like get an audience out there most of your life? Or Yeah, well... Actually, what happened for me is uh, I remember it, it was like also kind of like a shift or a transition mm-hmm. to where it was something I just wanted to try just to step outside my comfort zone. Because yeah. when I was in like eighth grade, I had a, uh, a presentation I had to give in front of the class. And it was like the first big presentation right. that I had to give. And I remember I went in front of the class and I went to speak and I looked out at everybody else and I just completely 
couldn't remember what I was supposed to say. Mm. So that was like a, an embarrassing situation to be in. And then like two years later in high school, I had the opportunity of taking forensics debate. Mm-hmm. And when I took it, at first it was a little bit uncomfortable for me, but as I did it more and more, in forensics debate, there's tournaments where there's certain topics and you you have to write both the the, the yeah. positive on it and the negative, like the affirmative uh-huh. and the negative on it. And then what you do is uh, you go to these tournaments and as I did that, I ended up growing like a passion for it. Yeah. So And you learned a new skill set kind of. Exactly. Yeah. Like I learned that I could step outside of my comfort zone mm. and then do something else, but actually it became like my passion. Like That's great. I love speaking. For the longest time, I wanted to be a lawyer, mm-hmm. um, but more recently, even like the last uh, like four or five years, I've decided that what I really want to do is I do want to be a speaker. I want to be somebody that uh, empowers other people to go within and make inner transformations, and I want to be somebody that's able to like travel and do workshops or, mm-hmm. or something along yeah. those ideas, but it's something that when I do, it's like it just feels really good. So that's kind of what I do is I just follow the feeling in that's a way. That's great, yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm on a similar path myself, and that's very interesting. That that it's great to connect, you know, right, with like like-minded individuals. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, on the same type of journey, so it's cool. Yeah, it's cool, man. And so, how how do you really stay grounded? I I know you mentioned that you you oh, put yeah. more focus into your body, um, and but sometimes things happen that get in in our way. So how do you how do you handle situations where either you're put on the spot or you're, you know, you're overthinking too much. How do you, how do you get out of that loop, that well, negative reinforcement? Right, right. Well, what I've um, noticed even more recently, because like as I've been doing videos on my YouTube channel, mm-hmm. I've noticed how my energy has shifted from like the very first video I did back like, you know, eight months oh, ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now it's totally different. I noticed that too with my videos. Yeah. Yeah. Like as you go, you just, you learn as you go, but also you learn how to like kind of let go in front of it. You have to get used to like being in front of a camera or being Mm -hmm. on the spot in a way. But what's really worked for me is, uh, the simple thing of just the simple kind of idea that I was talking about earlier, where you just bring the awareness out of your head and into your body. Yeah. And then you just take action from that point. So -hmm. what happens is, is you feel more present and I think that grounding in general, that's what it's really about. It's, it's always the most basic ideas when it comes to being someone that's grounded or using grounding as a tool. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's the breath. So it's like as I breathe deeper, it becomes easier for me to actually like ground myself in the yeah. moment. And then what I do is I just uh, I, I bring the awareness out of my head and I feel my sense perception. So mm-hmm. I feel inside like my hands and my feet. And as I bring that awareness down – it's something that that feels really good, and that's actually uh, from that book, "The Power of Now" by mm. Eckhart Tolle, and it was an exercise that that he talked about in there. And ever since I've been doing it, it's been very easy for me to uh, like ground myself into the moment, yeah, to feel more present. Mm. And because of that, it's something that I just I do consistently. If I'm starting to feel, especially with the the way that society is where we have technology so easily at mm. our ability. There's yeah. so many tools of technology. It's an amazing thing. But when we end up looking in a screen for a good part of the day, that can be something that kind of ungrounds us. You're right, yeah. So that's mm. when what I'll do is like even me, the work that I do, I do a lot of work on the computers. Yeah. So it's like I, I just have to bring that awareness back through so that I can feel grounded and then I'm actually more productive anyways mm-hmm. from that point of view. 
Yeah, it's also about like being mindful of certain situations, right? Because right. you're like you're in nature and you're just you're bewildered at like how beautiful everything oh, yeah. is. Even yeah. though like sometimes like we just get all these skyscrapers like in LA you just got have all these skyscrapers yeah. and billboards, but yeah. in that there's also something to be like there's also a kind of appreciation appreciation, there. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we've going come so far, kind of, you know? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And another thing with the, the idea of grounding that I've done mm-hmm. is uh, sometimes what I'll do is I'll go outside and I'll walk barefoot on the ground. Yeah. And I find that that's just something that really brings me into the moment. And it could be a little bit of the idea that when you walk barefoot on the ground, you you know, your your feet are feeling that sense perception. So it kind of brings mm-hmm. you down anyways. It uh, makes the, sense. Like, I mean, grounding. Exactly. Right? Yeah, 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 right. So, <laughs> you know, just like the word itself, it's yeah. like you're grounded you know physically and then as well as it's a symbol you know mm-hmm. so yeah that's something that I do every now and then too if I'm on the computer for a long period of time I'll just go outside I'll ground myself yeah. uh, just walking barefoot on the ground and I'll feel a lot better afterwards and also just being in nature in general when you look yeah. around nature to me represents stillness it represents non-resistance because yeah. like when you see a tree that's like waving you know it's even if the wind is coming it's not resisting the wind. It's just it's just there. It's just allowing yeah. itself to be. So in the same yeah. way, anytime it's a good reflection if we're going through something in life and we're resisting what is to just yeah. like allow the moment to be. Just so that's be, one yeah. thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's one thing that I've also been able to really take from grounding and then being yeah. outside as well. Yeah. Well, Eckhart Tolle talks about um, the pain body and how it's kind yeah. of just like these little critters <laughs> uh-huh. attached to our aura and we can't really um, let that go that easily either right. from emotional trauma or pain or something exactly. in the past that we're gra- grasping mm. onto and that also is a form of resistance you know it is yeah and so what do you do to to kind of get out of that uh, to really cleanse your sure. your pain body sure I would say uh, to do that, what I do is I become aware of the fact that my pain, like what Eckhart Tolle calls the pain body, I become aware of when it's activated. Right. And um, one thing that I also learned from the book is that when you become aware of it, what you do is you're not identi- identified as much with it. So mm. when you're in the state to where you th- you're, you know, you're feeling the emotions of that pain body, mm-hmm you are very identified with it. But if Mm. instead what you do is you observe it, which means you just kind of step to the side Mm. and you observe the fact that that's what's happening right now, what it does is it takes the effect out of you of feeling it so much and then the other key to that is to allow it to be. Because a lot of people, when they feel negative emotion, they they resist it. And this is yeah. something that I did for years. It was like anytime I felt negative emotion. Oh, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Same thing, right? Like when you feel it, you just want to uh, not feel it because it's something that's painful. But you want to reject it, yeah. Exactly. Or just, bottle it up. A lot yeah, of people exactly. Mm-hmm. But instead what I learned to do uh, or also that you know Eckhart Tolle talks about in, in uh, The Power of Now, what I've learned to do is to just simply allow it to be. So mm-hmm. allow – the the even if it's pain, but allow the feelings just feel to through your body, yeah, exactly. feel it through, uh-huh. exactly. And then as you do that, and as you let it be okay, it transmutes itself. Mm-hmm. So it it will literally go from you feeling it to you just observing it. And as you feel it, and you allow the emotion to be there, 
it will start to go away. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's the key because even with meditation in general, the one big shift I had with meditation was rather than trying to control my thoughts, what I did was when I was staring at that candle, instead of trying to control my thoughts, I would just allow the thoughts to go through. It's like mm-hmm. it's like you're at a park and you're watching a dog go past. It's like yeah. you just watch it kind of walk by. You don't have to chase it. You don't have to follow it. You don't have to try to make it do anything different. Yeah. And that's the same thing that I did is I would just – uh, observe my thoughts and allow them to be. And I've noticed that then the thoughts actually go away that much sooner because you can't fight your own thoughts. It's a losing battle. It's you Mm -hmm. against you. So if you allow it to be, what you do is you allow yourself to feel better. And -hmm. because of that, the pain body won't be activated nearly as much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, How can we? How can somebody really get into a state of flow? Or Chick Sen Mihai, he, oh, yeah. sa- he says his book Flow. His book Flow. Yeah, he talks yeah. about how if you focus on your passions, it really just mm-hmm. makes you incredibly joyous, and oh, yeah. like everything else doesn't seem to matter because you are in this state exactly. of flow. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And and then- have you experienced that yourself? Yes. And that's one of the reasons I actually love creating YouTube videos because I start to create them and I get my like ego out of the way and Mm. I just kind of like uh, let go. That's when that flow starts and that's when it becomes a feeling of something that I really enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, I think that anybody can find flow. It's a matter of just being willing to tap into and try to, you know, figuring out what it is and following your excitement in every moment. Yeah. And I think with coming uh, to the idea of passion in general, people finding what they're passionate about in life, Mm -hmm. I think the key to that is to just simply follow the emotion of excitement. Mm. I think that the the feeling of excitement is our body's translation that's saying, go do this or keep going in this direction. And a lot of times where we think that uh, we need to have like some overarching purpose. I think mm-hmm. that many people do have you know some type of overarching purpose or theme in their life. Yeah. But I think that if we focus on just being present and doing in every moment what yeah. brings us excitement, over time, a natural byproduct of that will be us finding and living our passion anyways. It's like yeah. micro momentum to macro momentum. You start little doing little things every day mm-hmm. and eventually it grows until where it's just a part of your life naturally. Yeah. So for, for grad school, uh, positive psychology, and one of the things that uh, positive psychology mentions is that positive emotions are like whispers and negative okay. emotions scream at you. And so negative emotions are so powerful that oh, they, yeah. they're just like out there. And then we don't often recognize the positive because they're sort of silent and they're whispers. And right. once, once we try and acknowledge the positive moments and mm-hmm. the positive emotions inside us, then it really does change our perception. Of oh yeah, how, you know. So oh, it's yeah. like we turn on the news and all we see is like exactly. you know, violence, and, uh-huh. and, <laughs> and we so assume, we can't. Yeah, we assume like that's we reality. Assume it's, it's natural. So like yeah. if if like we put on, for example, uh, like Housewives of you know New York or something like yeah. that or Atlanta or something, and we see these people like yelling at themselves, we might think that that's something that's very natural. Right, we think yeah. that that's just part of human behavior. So mm-hmm. then maybe the next time something happens to us, we might 
not realize it, but we might react in a similar way yeah. because the more that that's put into our uh, awareness, into our environment, even with the news, for example, seeing yeah. the violence and seeing all of that, we think that that's something that's very normal and it's something that dominates in society right. when really it's just a point of view. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's a powerful thing to pay attention to what we put into our minds, just as much as the food that we put into our body, I think mm. it's important to pay attention to the kind of information right, yeah. that we absorb. So in the same way, I think the more that we put in information uh, that is positive, it's like it's going to be easier to connect to it and easier for that to be like the momentum that we have going. Yeah. And when it comes to positive emotion in general, I think that a powerful thing is momentum. Mm -hmm. So I think that when we begin to develop more and more positive emotion, it becomes easier to have that to keep going and then that negative emotion might come in but we might not it might not affect us as much because mm -hmm. we already have that positive emotion going right. so then it becomes paying attention and being grateful in your life and paying attention to things that bring you positive emotion be around the people that make you feel good and then at the same time do activities that make you feel good right. if it's if it's just you know walking through the park or doing simple things, it or can't, listening to music or, or yeah, listening exactly listening mm -hmm. to music, anything that brings you into the moment that mm -hmm. makes you feel good, that's creating that what I call ecology of positive emotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I've been exploring a little bit between authenticity and performance, mm -hmm. and so I've been wondering about like like the whole fake it till you make it approach does yeah. work to a certain extent but after a while you just really have to be authentic you know you can't right. you can't fake something that you're not yeah because that will just it tear you'll you'll break down you'll crash exactly. and, and, and it, so it yeah. yeah yeah um and so my question was how do we like we have to start somewhere obviously right right and so that does require a certain uh faking it right and so how, how do we get to that authentic state of just truly being yourself while at the same time exploring and growing and learning? I think the first part of that is understanding who we are in a greater aspect. So right. we, we look at our potential. And when we realize that a lot of what we've lived up until this point in time now is who we thought we were. It's how we identified ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think one thing humans always try to do is to remain consistent to how we define ourselves, to our self-image. Yeah. And if we're doing things that, we, that resonate with our self-image, we'll continue to do those. Yeah. So in order to expand beyond that, I think that the first thing we have to do is we have to let go of the self-image that we have. Mm. To understand that we're always changing and progressing because if yeah. we believe that this is who I am the rest of my life, we're going to continue to get the same results the rest of our life. Right. We have to constantly stretch outside our comfort zone, do new things in order to grow or to have new experiences. Mm -hmm. So I think the first step is to let go of certain parts of, of self-image. Self-image, yeah. Exactly. Mm. To, to let those go and that the more that we let those go, the more and, – and what I mean by let that go is let go – parts of the self-image that don't resonate anymore, that have right. served you up until this point, but maybe they no longer actually benefit you. So it's being aware in the moment, mm -hmm. observing what those are, letting them go, and then allowing yourself... Stepping outside and being an observer, right? Exactly, yeah. mm -hmm. exactly. And that's the, that's the key to actually being present with it is to step even when you're stepping outside your comfort zone, mm -hmm. what makes it easier is for you to understand that all it is is it's a new reference point. It's something that's not familiar because you haven't done it before, mm -hmm. but it's something that once you do, it becomes something that 
something you know you can do and you become more confident mm-hmm. because you know that it's something that you can uh, that you can repeat from now going on. It's something that's very natural, which comes into the idea of sincerity because as you do those things that feel unnatural at first, you then start to do them to a point to where it becomes natural. Right. So it's about letting go of the limitations and it's about just becoming more, embodying it, being present to the moment and mm-hmm. understanding that your potential is far outside of who you are now. Our potential mm-hmm. as humans is is unlimited. All right. we have to do is to uh, claim it, to tap into it, and to take action from that point of view and to know and believe that it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. So what should we do in in the face of adversity? I mean, how, how can we chow, like... Right. If someone is challenging us, how can we just really be like, I'm not worried. Well, I'm going to remove my ego, you know? Right. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is by uh, Napoleon Hill. Mm-hmm. He talks in, in his book, Think and Grow Rich. Right, yeah. He talks about how every, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he talks about how every situation that appears to be negative has a seed of positivity. It just takes mm-hmm. us to see that seed. So I'm a, uh, I believe that in life in general, what we, any situation that we get in, I think mm-hmm. that the meaning of that situation is 100% up to us. Right. So there's no negative or positive meaning to it other than how we define it to be. So I think that the key to that would be to understand that we can give, even though something might appear to be negative, we can give it a positive meaning. Mm. Now, that could be something that happens and we realize that even though it's something bad that happened, we learned from it. And if we Mm. learned from it, we got a positive effect out of it Mm -hmm. And because it's attributed to what we know now and now we know more than we did before. So it's having that kind of mindset that as long as we give it a positive meaning, mm-hmm. even though it's something that appears to be negative, it doesn't mean lying about it and saying, oh, this is positive, this is positive. It means right. that it's you like observe. It's like reframing the situation and looking, exactly. at it, yeah, like, and looking at it from a positive frame. Yeah, Exactly. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we let that negativity eat us up, we'll never see the positive in it because of our state. Mm. It comes to our state. So It'll take our energy, our state will, you know, our energy will go down if we just define it as negative. But if we look at it from a point of view as I'm going to learn from it, there's some type of positive in it. What will happen is from there, our state will go up because we'll realize that there's something that we learned from it. And then it makes it easier to actually move through it anyways. So I think Mm. that that's the main key when it comes to uh, uh, understanding more about positivity, negativity, and like how to overcome it. And also the vocabulary, I think. A lot of times when something bad happens, we, you know, you can yeah. hear in their voice how they think about it. If they go, oh, it's a problem. It's a problem. Right. Uh, if we change that to a challenge, that's something we can get through. We can yeah. get through a challenge. But a problem is something that you can't figure out how to get through it because it's so solid. It's so concrete. Right. So using the right vocabulary and thinking about it in that way, I think, mm. is the most powerful way towards actually being able to get that kind of yeah. uh, positive effect out of it. I agree. I think I also use the word, instead of failure, I use the word feedback, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. And it's just about uh, rediscovering it yourself, really. It's like... Right. Um, and some people also use words like should, like it should be a certain way. And it's like set in stone, right? right. right? And that's also in the language. Like nothing should be a certain way, you know? And I, I like to... Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think that and I think that should also when we talk about being present to the moment, if we say something should be some other way than it is, there's mm. all automatic resistance. That's because we're automatically yeah. not allowed what is to be. We're assuming that it has to be different than what it is right mm. in this moment. Yeah. Even if it's something that we want to change, we can note we can notice that this is what it is. But then what we do is we take action from the perspective of how we want it to be, mm-hmm. not resisting the, the moment because if we resist it, we actually won't uh, do whatever we want to do in a most effective manner anyways. Right. No. So I'm very interested in like cliches and tropes and stereotypes. Right. So there, there, is a, there needs to be a balance between using tropes and archetypes and stereotypes to our benefit because we're, mm-hmm. we're ultimately we're trying to understand something better. And so right. – so it's kind of just like you're generalizing, but you can't generalize to obviously offend or to, you know, mm-hmm. to cause harm. But if you have a different angle to it, it's, it's really working towards our benefit. So where do you think that balance lies between really like being embracing it, embracing cliches and like, like parts of our culture, like pop culture and just accepting it and just like really questioning it and being like, yeah, I, yeah. I think that it's about being able to just once again like be aware. Right. Be aware that also we're all connected. So in the mm-hmm. sense that we have our own physical mind, we all together collectively make up the society that we live in. Mm-hmm. So all cliches are or stereotypes are in a way is that group thought in a way. It's like the, the grouping of those beliefs or those ideas. Mm-hmm. And then that becomes something that's more solidified in the general consciousness yeah. of our planet. So the collective the, consciousness is collective Carl con- Jung. Says, exactly. Yeah. 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 And mm-hmm. I think that um, being aware that that's something that exists, but then also questioning it mm. is important because when you question the norm or you question even like how most people, something that you maybe accepted since you were young, yeah. um, that's where social conditioning comes in because that's where something that we just automatically assume that that's true, uh, it then makes us in a way blind to other opportunities. So yeah. questioning uh, things that happen in your life, questioning what you've always kind of accepted to be true, I think that's important towards making some type of a deep transformational change. I think it's necessary in order to uh, develop and to come up with new types of um, mindsets or yeah. new types of thoughts Definitely. in order to expand those ideas. Mm-hmm. So uh, my last and final question is uh, about scarcity. And I know, um, I know you're kind of familiar with this topic, um, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm really curious about how, how can we get out of that mindset, that victim-blaming mindset, you know? Right. Where we're like, oh my God, this is happening to me. Why is this happening to me? This always happens to me. And I see the law of attraction in the right. back there too. So yeah. how, do, how would you explain that to someone that, that I'm is glad you, really I'm just, glad you asked this because yeah. this is something I've been thinking about lately. And it's something mm-hmm. that I'm going to eventually make a video on. Cool. But it's about the idea of abundance in general. Right. So when we think about the idea of abundance, what it really comes down to is how is our focus – Because we are never, I would say that we're never actually, there's never actually scarcity or uh, there's Mm -hmm. never actually that limitation Mm -hmm. other than than what we create in our own mind. So the idea is that we are always 100% abundant, but we might be in abundance of lack. 
Now that mm. comes from focus of lack. So if we continuously focus on what's not here, mm. what we'll do is we'll create more of it not being here. Right. The paradox, the funny part of it is that the way that the law of attraction works is it gives you what you believe to be true. So if you believe that you're only worthy of having lack or you believe that that's something that you have in your life, then that will always be reflected back to you. Yeah. So we are always 100% supported with what we want in life or what not what we want but what we're focused on mm. and what we pay attention to. So the idea behind getting out of that like scarcity mindset is about just shifting the focus mm. and instead of focusing on what's not here or focusing on um on the fact that we don't have that abundance already it's just just shift it and to just focus on the feeling because abundance at the end of the right. day is a feeling you can be somebody that doesn't have much at all but you can still feel abundance yeah. and because of that that's what that's the feeling is what and that's you, why gratitude is so important right exactly mm -hmm. because it's saying that you already already have, have it yeah yeah mm -hmm. And I think that that simple uh, shift, that that realization that we are mm. always 100% uh, supported is yeah. important because then what we can decide is what kind of beliefs or what kind of ways are we thinking about life that is not supporting us and how can we tweak that? How can we yeah. then focus on abundance and relate to it and identify with it and drop that identification of scarcity? That's awesome, dude. Yeah. I hope you have a great abundant life. Thank friend. you. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for connecting with me, bro. Like, this will obviously go on my channel, so be sure to check it out. I can I give will. your absolutely give your link right below. And yeah, thank you, man. Thank Keep you. Keep it easy. Take it easy, yeah, you man. Too. Appreciate you, bro. You have a good one. All right. Peace out. All right. Bye. Take good care of yourself, audience. May the flow be with you. Join See you next Flow time. Awakening episode. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow at Flowzone Academy on Instagram. That's at F L O Z O N E A C A D E M Y. May the flow be with you and stay legendary. Until next time, Flowmies.